Welcome back. This is Post Recording Will here. As I said, we went kind of long talking about rain. So here we are on part two. Hope you enjoy. X-Force. X-Force starts this new storyline, basically. Yeah. And you're saying it touches on something that we've been talking about on the pod. Yeah. Because we've noticed that Quentin dies a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a lot. Yes. Quentin Quire dies a lot. And so we start this plotline story issue with Quentin also thinking that he's been dying a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got a couple pages of all the ways that he's died recently. Including some who that we haven't, you know, seen on panel before. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mecha grizzly bears, acid bath bomb, steamroller. Truly, uh, you know, disgusting. Okay. There is one picture of him wrapped up in chains being dropped into lava and he's like a few feet away from the lava but his skin is already melting and nobody ever does that (laughs) no it's a good point yeah action movie no other comic no tv show actually takes into consideration how fucking hot lava is (laughs) (laughs) it's a great point very very true like that is a molten rock bro that is extremely hot and so in this death montage he's kind of saying like you know i know that like dying is you know i'm part of x-force that's gonna happen a lot right but it's always me and like maybe i'm self-sabotaging maybe i want to die because i'm not happy with who i am and i want to be reborn um and so the rest of these uh, these next couple issues really follow Quentin in his quest for self-discovery, self-reinvention, getting to the bottom of this. And after one more death, <laughs> he and Phoebe Cuckoo, who is his girlfriend, even though all of the Cuckoos are dating Cable. Right. Not really sure how that goes I through. Think, but I think they, I mean... In one of the issues of Cable, they said that he's been spending the most time with Esme. And Mm, so I think they're mm -hmm. just going to leave him with Esme. Sure. To free up Phoebe for a different psychic. (laughs) (laughs) And it also says that it kind of going along this, um, you know, this idea of self-resurrection Quentin has been giving some some directions to the five for how to <laughs> change his body when he's being resurrected as well, including yep. color his hair rose gold instead of pink, coloring his hair pink instead of rose, rose gold, eliminating hair follicles on his face and head so he doesn't have to shave or wax, adjusting <laughs> his eyes to 2020, making glasses a mere necessity, and then adjusting redacted to these precise dimensions. See attached report 1A. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and so 
this has been talked about before of yeah. people's not resume, uh, their wills, their resurrection wills. Yes. And like yeah. the things that you can ask for right. if and when you get resurrected. And his are, you know, increasingly mundane and self-serving. Yeah. But like it's allowed. Yeah. Meanwhile, there are a bunch of people recover in, in a hospital unit who are recovering from wounds that look like they were caused by X-Force, but they seem very unlikely, including, you know, things that psionic scars from attacks from Quentin himself. Mm-hmm. And basically to move it along quickly, <laughs> these are his his bodies. Every time he dies, you know, some of his bodies are being collected and used much of the way Domino Domino's body was early to give mm-hmm. powers to those Russian super soldiers or whatever. And, you know, the skin grafts to be able to enter through Krakoan gates. And so we get some backstory on Quentin. You know, he was adopted. He says, I always knew I was adopted. I just chose not to remember because my biological parents treated me the way the kids at school would later treat me as weak, as a victim. And then she says, you were adopted because you made yourself an orphan. So (laughs) this is still sort of a tender scene and he's kind of learning about this sort of thing. Here's, Here's what bothers me though. I think it's more a larger problem with how Quentin has been written Mm-hmm. In Krakoa, and maybe slightly prior to that, it seemed like, okay, so he first appeared in Grant Morrison's run, right? And he was on drugs, which made him crazy, the kick drug, which was developed by John Sublime. And, you know, he started a riot at the school, and he was kind of like, you know, taking on this super villain, chic, evil mutant as a conscious aesthetic, etc., and then in Jason Aaron's run on Wolverine and the X-Men, they kind of started to rehabilitate him a little bit, right? And kind of soften him out. And, and it's like, okay, so, you know, understandable. I was a, a teenage shithead who thought I was, be- I was smarter than everybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a real person here. And, you know, he falls for Oya a little bit. And, or no, it was... Yeah, that was correct, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then in this, and maybe also in the intervening years, which I didn't read, he's kind of just being reduced to sort of like the mutant Reddit edgelord kind of guy mm. and kind of like talking up this this aspect of Kid Omega, like, yes, I know I'm better than everybody else, blah, 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 blah. And it kind of like seems to be straying away from the Jason Aaron arc which i really liked i kind of like you know saw aspects of myself in in that sort of transformation i remember being 14 15 years old being absolutely convinced that i was you know smarter and more clever than any of the adult, the adults around me or anybody else you know it's just like i feel like that's part of being that age and you know he kind of was allowed to grow up a little bit and this is him going through another sort of growing up or coming of age story, but he's coming at it from a very different way. You know, abandoning the punk rock look 
is is kind of feels like a betrayal to me. But <laughs> he leans into the Omega thing. And so he goes to Jumbo Carnation and Jumbo designs him a new costume. And it goes from like Mad Max to just like purple bodysuit with an Omega symbol on it to full Liefeld cable to a Glob Herman look and he's naked. <laughs> so it says like too post-apocalyptic, too clingy, too pouchy, too much pee-pee. <laughs> and then gladiator slash Superman look. And he says too Shi'ar, Wolverine, too bad mentory. And then he gets an original design and it's, you know, like sort of all black leather with an Omega symbol motif on his chest and telekinetic glasses. I, I don't like it. It's just kind of generic and ugly. I don't think it looks good. What do you think? I mean, I like it as a design. Yeah. But I agree that it's not a Kid Omega design. Like the Kid Omega that we've had for years. Yeah. This, it doesn't match the personality that we were given. And that this that this costume implies, like I like pink and black as a design aesthetic. I like, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like it's too. Him, I like Quentin wearing his insecurities out front. Yeah, and this seems way. It, it's. I know he's going on a process of self assurance, but this is like, th- this is almost the opposite of that. It's denying weakness rather than like mm. opening up to vulnerability. To me, it's it's very Cyclops. Huh. Yeah. It reads it reads very much like Utopian Cyclops. Totally see it. I totally see it. Yes, yes, yes. And so then it makes makes me kind of feel like this is too early. Because mm, mm-hmm. there are future versions of Quentin Choir. There's a storyline with future Quentin where he's the leader of the X-Men. Right. And he's also the host of the Phoenix Force. Yeah. Which led to a spike in <laughs> overzealous confidence in young Quentin because uh-huh. he knows what he can be in the future. Right. But it also it also sparked a, I'm going to be the leader of the X-Men. I need to figure out how to lead. I need to be yeah. a better person. And that arc, to your point, was awesome and it was going to go somewhere i think that would have been really nice but yeah that's not the quentin choir that was needed for x-force right and again i don't know how they've used him since jason aaron's run it's from like 2014 to 2019 i have no idea what he was like in those five years i mean he got inspired by psylocke because she has the psy sword Mm, oh, and so he started using the psychic shotgun. Yeah. That that also just seems really edgelord, like, gamer to me. I don't know. I I don't like this new era of yeah. psychic physical weaponry. <laughs> yeah. It, it's cool when it's, like, just Psylocke doing it. It's cool when it serves a purpose and not, this is my go-to weapon. That's a really good point. Yep. Like, I was under the impression that the Psy Blade that Psylocke used was strictly to 
take out their mental like mm-hmm. defenses or like take them down psychically to be a psychic attack. Now yeah. it's this is my like physical a, weapon that I use. Actually, yes, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm like, I don't because, like because then you're just turning psychic powers individual into physical powers. And it's like, no, yeah. there should be some separation, like give mm-hmm. your size some sort of nerf. <laughs> Otherwise they can literally right? just do everything. Well then, and it's also like, it gives it no physical form when it's yeah. a side knife for the, phys- for the psychic attack. Mm-hmm. You can't use that against like a ninja <laughs> right. you have to have a physical sword also <laughs> yeah to deal totally. with an actual in-person battle like yeah and then yeah. when they started to, like it was cool for the one issue that he was like wait a second they're too far away to use a, a sword that Psylocke yeah. uses i'll use this to focus my psychic energy to deal with someone who's far away and but mm-hmm. even when Quentin Quire first came up with the shotgun, it was still used as a psychic intrusion. Mm. Now, now it's just like it's he basically just, has a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. That is really <sighs> annoying. <sighs> yeah. But whatever. Anyway, that we got to move on, but <laughs> X-Men number 19 women's history month variant by Jen Bartel is yeah. a really cool. Emma Frost picture where she has basically just like a gala dress made out of diamonds just looks really nice yeah i saw that that is really cool yeah i love variant covers <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you don't collect single issues otherwise they would cost you a lot of money <laughs> good lord so ridiculous anyway yeah i liked that woman's history month variant anyway yeah rain volume seven Consists Starts of yeah. X Force eighteen nineteen Children of the Atom number two New Mutants sixteen seventeen and Cable number nine. So this was a big book, but these next two issues of X Force deal more with this de- this psychic demon that seems to be a Quentin Quire demon. Yeah. So and it's attacking all of the members of X Force. You know, <laughs> Black Tom is having a dreaming. He says, seriously, Kane, stop tickling Black Tom. Your fingers are as big as bleeding sausages. <laughs> and and then he's attacked by this sort of choir demon. And then it goes after Sage, goes after Logan, goes after Beast, who has a stroke. Mm-hmm. Sage is drinking, by the way, because, well, we'll, we'll get a page on that, sort of a, a text page later. You know, we kind of learned that this is all the things that are going on with Quentin Demon attacking everybody. And then Beast starts begging for death, saying, please kill me. And Sage puts him down. And then there's a note here that, um, you know, like, it's like a damaged hard drive. Like, just just go from backup. Don't don't try and keep this this damaged piece of hardware functional. Just go straight to the, um, you know, don't try it and heal Whatever him. The, yeah. yeah. It's full of invaluable data, but it's compromised. Just, you know, go straight to resurrection, go to backup. Yeah. Sage and Beast have this, like, agreement with each other. Yeah, ridiculous. That if they're in this shadow room and they are compromised, they just kill them right then and there. Yeah. Which is against uh-huh. policy. It's yeah. against Kirkcohen law. Yeah. 
but they're X-Force and they don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, but now Phoebe and Quentin are in on this. That's true. Yes. Quentin takes a jump into the astral plane to go and figure this out and sees that it's a giant disfigured Quentin choir. Yep. Who has been captured by the Xeno, just like Domino before, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But yeah, so I do really like this note from Sage's logbook. Yeah. About all the stuff that she tracks, because that's really cool. And that's exactly yeah. the kind of life that I want to lead. <laughs> <laughs> it just says, I keep track of everything. The big stuff, like the number of mutants entering and exiting transit gates at any given moment, or the number of petals harvested and exported on any given day. But I also keep track of all the little stuff. I can tell you the number of dogs I've petted, 325. The number of cups of chai I've drunk, 7,653. The number of landmines I almost stepped on as a child, one. <laughs> the, thank God. The number of right. pomegranates eaten, 629. The average number of seeds within one, 998, yeah. by the way. The number of eyeglasses I've owned, 34. The number of times I've cried while listening to Purcell's Dido Lament, Dido's Lament, 12. Or the number of times I've danced with Mariah Carey. Dance to Mike Mariah Carey, 671. I can tell you the number of times I've been kissed by someone who really meant it, two, versus the number who didn't, 22. But I've been losing count lately, which would scare the shit out of me. Right. Of the number of drinks I consume in a given evening, the math comes apart, the numbers dissolve. So she's been blacking out. Yeah. And her powers are that her, her brain is a computer, basically. Yeah. Sage is really cool. She's a cool character. And she was used most in one of the worst runs of X-Men of all time. Extreme (laughs) X-Men. And Chris Claremont's return to the title that came right before it, which is a damn shame. But she's a character with a lot of potential. Moving right along. Okay. One thing that stands out to me is that Cyclops has a... (laughs) One of those little sleeper mm-hmm. masks made out of whatever. What is Ruby quartz? Called? Ruby quartz. Ruby, yeah. <laughs> made out of Ruby quartz and it's see-through and it's adorable. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. And so. Gene gets involved. Yeah. We get. Oh, dude, it's hilarious. Okay. Sorry. In, I guess, in last issue, when Quentin first, where he sees a lab that all these like. Quentin Choir body parts are in. In the background, there's this thing that says danger formaldehyde. <laughs> and like I noticed it and I was like, I'm gonna make a note of this to talk about on the pod because I think it's really random that uh-huh. the artist felt the need to write out formaldehyde on this damn box. It's so <laughs> strange. <laughs> because like this is a very busy page, and like yeah. You take the time to, it's like when people take the time to write out actual like book titles on a bookshelf. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. why did you feel you needed to do that? <laughs> so, so formaldehyde is on here. And then they have this, uh, Quentin basically escapes because he's fighting a losing battle. And, and he's kind of, the, the narrative of it is like, he realized he's, a, he's sabotaging himself. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of this like negative self-talk, like, He's scared of himself. He how pathetic. He deserves to die a million deaths, etc. And then Gene enters into the astral plane to come rescue yeah, him. Yeah, gets him out. They go to Sage, and he's and he's basically like, "Hey, I'm pretty sure I know where this is." And yeah. Sage is like, "Why?" He's like, 
I saw a Type K outlet that is unique to Denmark, Greenland, and the Faroe Islands, and a fresh shipment of 60 gallons of formaldehyde. I was <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Okay. Yeah. I never saw the outlet, though. <laughs> but yeah, and so she does her computer collating thing and finds out exactly where they need to go. Psychic fights ensue. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just all Quentin's metaphorical battle with the worst aspects of himself, you know, his immaturity. And, you know, this thing was was built to be him, but it was built from his his more insecure, his his less, you know, self-assured, less mature self. And so while it was, you know, engineered to to be psychically stronger than him, it's weaker personally emotionally weaker yeah yeah so quentin basically he's like you're the worst part of me aren't you well guess what i already killed you yeah psychically kills him the physical body passes on gene and domino are dealing with the physical plane while phoebe and quentin were dealing with the psychic and they get out yes short three issue story yeah, really cool that they're sort of spending this characterization, character development on Quentin Quire. It's certainly better than he was in earlier X-Force. Not the direction that I was hoping for him, but that might be more visual than actual character development. Mm. And yeah. <laughs> so next after that is Children of the Atom. Uh, we got one issue of that last episode, last mm-hmm. next episode, where we have these five kids who seem to be mutants who idolize the X-Men and identify as mutants and but they don't they can't go through gates and they're never picked up by Cerebro and they well Cerebro sporadically picks them up. Oh, okay. And they try going through uh, Kirkcohen gate and they just pass right through. They don't get all the way in. Yep. So that is a thing. So yeah, something's second up. issue is more just, well, the Avengers show up and they're like, Hey, cradles a thing in Kamala's law. And these yeah. children who are going around pretending to be you guys could be a problem. And Mystique and Storm are like, Fuck off. This is our problem. Thank yeah. you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Very impolitely. Like the Avengers were there. It, it seemed pretty respectfully. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's all about how you write it, but they, I don't know. It's, having Mystique be the first person to, to talk to them probably wasn't the most opportune situation. But. <laughs> True. So, yeah, we, we're treated to some sort of character establishment first from Gabe, aka Cherub, who, you know, he he kind of gives his life story here about being like, you know, you think you know me, you judge me because I'm black and, you know, father's out of the picture. I play basketball, but, you know, I subvert your expectations in all these different ways. I've, you know, my mother's a math teacher. Uh, you know, my father died of blah, 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 blah. I am capable of all these different things. And I look to help people. 
No one ever bothers to ask what I want. They don't care about who I feel like I am or could be, except my friends. You know, it's a good way to get me to start liking this character, get to know this character. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's been thought out. Yeah. Like, he's not just a, like, checkbox. We're going to throw this character in and then we'll figure it out later. Like, Mm -hmm. it seems like everyone, the, the five that we've been introduced to are going to have like yeah, purpose and reason. Yeah, totally. And we're getting. We're going to I get to know these characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a like online following because he is ripped, <laughs> and so he posts a "You must be a mutant to have abs like that" workout, and mm-hmm. I want to try it. <laughs> okay, I certainly can't get through an entire one of that, but. If you want to have that as a segment one time, we each give it a try and talk about how far we got. Sure. <laughs> so the workout, if anyone wants to try at home. Oh, boy. <laughs> the warm-up is 20 jumping jacks, two sets, and then treadmill for half a mile at four miles an hour. And then the workout is 16 elbowed knee crunches, two sets, one-minute star plank hold, two sets per arm, eight clapping push-ups, two sets, 16 Russian twists, two sets, 12 butt-ups, two sets, 12 raised leg re- 12 raised leg circles, two sets, 16 mountain climbers, two sets. All very doable. <laughs> cool down, stretching at least five minutes. That's a quick set. That's something that that's like a everyday yeah. set workout. It sounds fun. It sounds like a good <laughs> lunch workout. Okay, okay. I want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Get some mutant abs. Why not? Give it a try. Yeah, man. Yeah. Can't be Spider-Man. I'll be a mutant. (laughs) Be an X-Man. Yeah. So moving on, moving on. Yeah. The the crew, Gabe and his friends, the the nominal children of the Atom, go to a Dazzler concert. And they run into their friend, Cole, who had gotten very sick before but now seems to be like fully recovered a little bit out of it, but extremely ripped. And, you know, because he was in some experimental treatment, but yeah, it looked like he was near death and that'll come up later. And they say like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember you caring about mutant stuff. Why are you at a Dazzler concert? And it was because of Gabe bringing him a bunch of Dazzler songs while he was in the hospital. It's very sweet. Mm -hmm. And, this is one of the only times in comics you're ever going to get a specific date. But this, <laughs> Dazzler, this Dazzler concert happens on April 14th. It's coming up. It'll be yeah, it's, it it's while you're in town. Oh, my God. And um, it's in New York City. We should do something. I don't know what. But we should I mean, it was probably last April 14th. But, you know, no, it's this, we it's should this, do something. It's an annual, it's an annual yeah, concert. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there is a crime alert that goes off yeah and they're like hey that's bias we can go and deal with that and it's probably the hell's bells again the hell's bells yeah yeah who who they fought in issue one and locked up and so on so they go and and have the rematch and it does not go well for them no they're just not getting it together man i mean heaven forbid kids aren't good at crime fighting <laughs> against mutants that know what they're doing. <laughs> right. Even though some of them are depowered, but yes. Yes. 
So yeah, once again, the X-Men, the real ones, show up. And it's Storm, Mercury, Toad, and I think that's Outlaw, a.k.a. Inez Temple, Mm -hmm. which is a deep cut right there. She is not used very often. Yeah, she's in Domino. Uh, Domino's solo title. Sure. But you don't see her too much. I don't pay attention to it because it's it's been it's penned by Greg Land. So. Uh, sure, of course. <laughs> she seems like a real Greg Land kind of character, <laughs> by which yeah. I mean a lot of TNA. Bl- yeah, blonde, blonde, long hair, yeah. skinny, no and clothes, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so once again they get offered you know an offer from storm to take them back to Krakoa, and they're like uh we'll be okay right which is weird i mean if they know something about not being able to go through the gates they don't want to be embarrassed in front of the real mutants Mm -hmm. yeah we're still not certain that they're actually mutants yeah storm says okay that is your choice we're not gonna force you but since you weren't scanned by cerebro something that's blocking it we won't be able to find you if anything happens so take this communicator if you need us you know we'll be there yep storm storm is so reassuring she's so yeah she's such a good leader but yeah storm's just the best. All, kept on reminding them you know whatever you need we're with you yep. whenever you need us hit the button we got you and then this issue ends with them at the gate again all right let's try it yeah then we go from there into two issues of New Mutants. Yeah, New Mutants 16, 17. Yes. So the, the main thing, because we haven't touched on New Mutants yet in this, there, there's this kid, Josh, who has these giant demon horns. Uh, a lot of the New Mutants are going to other world, through the gate to other world, kind of on a dare, right? They're just kind of like screwing yeah, around. Them. Yeah. And... Josh kind of sticks around there. He lingers a lot more. He comes across Jamie Braddock, a.k.a. Monarch, and the other two kids with him run back screaming. He stays. So the the plot here kind of splits into Danny and Shan going to Otherworld to try and get him back, and the kids who have been hanging out with Amal Farouk, that's Scout, no girl, Rain Boy, Anoli, and Kozmar kind of having, you know, just kind of going deeper and deeper into Farouk's world of, you know, body swap and mass, power synergies, kind of dark emotions on their power. And they have some really cool moments with the the body swap stuff. Like Oh yeah. Yeah, I was, that's what the stuff I was going to focus on. Okay, it's, yes, it's yes, the yes. other world stuff that I don't think needs a whole lot of time. Yeah, not a lot of time. Yeah, I know I say this every episode, uh, every episode, but goddamn, Rod Rice's colors mm. in New Mutants are just so incredible. I I am just like floored by the art in this series. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's it's so incredibly unique, and I and, and just it pops. Mm-hmm. In the weirdest ways. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I have a feeling, like, if if Kozmar ends up sticking around, right, and being used decades in the future, I'm always going to look at Kozmar as a Rod Rice character, the way I look at, 
you know, Warlock and Legion as a Bill Sienkiewicz character. Like, mm-hmm. it's that yeah. kind of level for me right now. Like, I am absolutely losing my shit over this art. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, it's really good. There's an interesting revelation that Scout's claws will pop out just naturally if she doesn't pay attention to him. Yeah, yeah. And she I don't has, know if that's yeah. for everyone. For all of the for Wolverine and for for Wolverine and for Wolverine for Logan and for Laura, <laughs> I would guess not for Logan because there, I guess, were many years where he didn't know he had claws. I mean, they popped the night of his mutant manifestation, right? But you know, he ha- like I'm I'm saying during like his World War oh, II was, like, to yeah to you know CIA Team X like. All the way up until up until the Weapon X project when he got the adamantium. Like they thought that the claws were fully adamantium, not mutant, no bone to graft onto until he got his adamantium taken away. That's true. So anyway. True, 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 true. <laughs> weird right, piece of trivia there. Fine. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like the insights that you can get from literally just being inside someone else's body yes. sounds very adult. <laughs> just like the things that stand out to a different person's perspective in the same body. Right. Like, and even Martha Johansson just being like, I have a body. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, the, the uh, colors that Kosmar is able to see you know, not being able to feel pain as uh, Gabby, as Scout. What's up with your water, Rain Boy? It smells really weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And then and then you're kind of seeing, like, there's there's something going on that's wrong here. Like, whoever is in Kosmar's body, I guess that that's a Noli, feel like they're turning into a raisin, and then, like, can't con- losing control, feels like it hurts. And then Martha in Anole's body, it starts to wither away. And so, like, everything is just kind of, like, draining and painful. But it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Gabby has a different reaction. She's like, our bodies were dying. You could have killed us. And she kind of stands up. You know, Farouk is like, oh, you know, it was uncomfortable, but death no longer limits us. And he's like, she's like, first, maybe that's not true for me, but that's not the point. Just because you can be resurrected doesn't mean your life, your body, or your life is cheap or worthless. And just because you won't stay dead doesn't mean dying doesn't suck. <laughs> so <laughs> this is kind of the, um, you know, the break that she takes from Shadow King's little group, and she walks off and leaves them on her own. <laughs> Meanwhile, the there's another. <laughs> another group of mutants the the sort of teenager kids who burned down the the younger kids dwellings in previous issues of new mutants have to answer to magic and she fucks them up <laughs> and you know gets it all rebuilt regrown etc and then shan and danny have some great bonding time I really like Danny as a character. I mean, she's like she's like on her way to storm level leadership 
abilities, like mm. just the the ability, uh, like consideration of all the people around her, and to make sure that they're okay, and like insight into who they are, and all of that, and also being able to command respect, like fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm, we get rain. Yeah, so they go off to Otherworld without Rain. Rain, you know, meets up with X-Factor and learns that Cerebro is reading her son Tyr as still active, which means it's out of their hands. And so she's terrified that he is alone and suffering and abandoned and goes off to to help. Yeah, he was last backed up three days ago, which is yeah weird. Then, yeah, they're also concerned about the resurrection of Tyr because he's also half god. <laughs> right. Half Norse god. Yeah, so that's a thing. Then you have this character, kind of character journey for Danny and Shan to go mm-hmm. throughout other world to try and find Josh. Yeah, they follow this white rabbit. There, there's an ongoing thing with Shan's brother, Tran. He was in the very first issue that she was in, which was before the New Mutants graph. Uh, the before okay, so before New Mutants number one, there was a Marvel graphic novel that introduced the New Mutants. Before that, there was a Fantastic Four annual that introduced Shan before any of the rest of them. And in that in that episode uh, or in that issue, she absorbed her twin brother who had the same powers as her but was evil and just absorbed her his entire consciousness into her head oh wow yep that's some like m shit yeah you think she and m (laughs) would get along (laughs) that's a great point so they're being visited by this white rabbit in a very alice in wonderland sort of way who's leading them across Otherworld, and she's saying it remind it's reminding her of Tran, who was when they were kids. He was a big fan of Alice in Wonderland. They continue on their journey, you know, from Jamie to to Merlin, who is such a pervert and a weirdo, to Roma, who, man, a real weird like change in in personality. But I'm kind of into it. Roma back in the day was such like a just removed, detached goddess sort of like, you know, oh, yes, I will do all of the good things for you. She like after the fall of the new mutant storyline where she tasked them with fighting the adversary with Forge and all sorts of things going on, she resurrected them. Uh, they like literally gave their lives for a spell for Forge to kill the big bad called the adversary. And she brought them back to life and was like, also, you can't be seen by electronic surveillance. Any, you know, electronic like cameras or anything like that won't work on you. Also, I'm giving you the Siege Perilous. Also, and it's just like all these things like, okay, Roma, geez, like, <laughs> what's your deal? You don't, you're not really a character here. You're just kind of like this deus ex machina. And in the Krakoa era, they're really starting to flesh her out into like this sort of hedonistic pleasure goddess ruler sort of person, but also with these hilariously petty squabbles between her and Merlin. Her father Merlin. Yeah. So it turns out, they, you know, Jamie 
gets them to Merlin, but she, you know, they get captured by Merlin and he's like, well, you have to get this pot back to me or this, you know, piece of crockery in Roma's realm. And so Roma captures them and is like, you wanted this thing? Oh my God. They're like, I'm sorry. We know that it's power, you know, that it, it it's going to give some terrible power to Merlin that is going to allow him to do some sort of terrible thing. And she's like, no, this is just a pot. He just, you know, he just really <laughs> liked it. And I only took it because I knew he liked it when I moved out of my parents' house, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he can have it back, but also I don't give a shit. Fuck him, fuck you, whatever. But mm-hmm. you and me, mutants, we're cool and all of that. So, And then they finally run across Josh, the, the demon horn guy. And he's like, actually... I'm cool here. Like, I don't mind this whole like potential of dying thing. Doesn't really phase me. I, I live the rest of my life that way. So why should I care mm-hmm. about it now? Why should I worry? Why should <laughs> I care? Don't 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 give Nips material, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so and, and he's like. I just want to live somewhere where people look at me like that. They're, they're not weirded out by me or like trying to make me into something like special or different. Like nobody even looks at me twice here. I'm just like that dude. And I can just be part of other world here in a way that I'm not anywhere else. So like, can you just let me, let me be, let me live, let me do my thing. And Danny's like, yeah, okay. As long as you check in mm-hmm. every month and we make sure that, you know, that everything's all right. Like, be here. Tell us the stories of your adventures. Like, you know, cool. Go go grow up and do you. And that seems like a, a great use of her as mentor figure in this new mutants title. That's yeah. a resolution of that storyline. Mm-hmm. And then you have a falling out between Anoli and Scout. Yeah, Anoli like, loses it, which is... He's like, dude, come back. What the hell is your problem? And she's like, no, it's not right. <laughs> and it, you know, makes you really suspect whatatever's going on with Shadow King, or with Amal Farouk, if he's yeah. going to react this, like, negatively, emotionally. Yeah, Anoli's never been no that... Kind of, well, he's had a couple of outbursts in Wolverine the X-Men, mm-hmm. but it's like part of the like story it's a build up yeah. not your friend left the group right totally <laughs> the issue also started with Farouk recruiting Rain to join yes. the crew that they're doing and and you know coming to her in her time of desperation and extending a hand very scary I'm all Farouk yeah. scary guy bad yeah. things happening Oh, and then and yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Just, uh, just the the rabbit. Yes, Chan coming to terms with this white rabbit because it keeps on showing up, even though they're not in other world anymore. And she's like, you know what? I, it's my brother. Yep. It's Tran. Yep. She tells Danny that she knows what she needs to do now, and I need Danny. I need you to be my partner in the Crucible. Yeah. So that me and Tran can be resurrected separately. Holy shit. 
That's crazy. Right? Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Also, come to think of it, we don't know where Shan's other siblings are. I know I'm going to screw up the pronunciation, but Lung and Nga, L-E-O-N-G and N-G-A, they are her kid brother and sister who were basically like her main character trait. Like she left New Mutants in like, you know, 84 or something like within the first couple dozen issues to go find them. And she mostly stayed away from X books until like 2006 looking for them. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a really and, long time. Okay. And they showed up here and there every once in a while and all of that. But like, why aren't they on Krakoa? I, I know yeah. I'm just saying where, where are all the children of Krakoa? Like, <laughs> you know, Joey and Galen and all that. But like, come on, dude. Like, this yeah. is this is such a central part of her character. What 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 the heck? Anyway. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. I can summarize this issue of cable in like two sentences. I, I have a couple tiny more things about New Mutants. I'm sorry, you oh want to get okay. through this no, so yeah. fast. Uh, the, you had so little to say about New Mutants, and I loved it. No, that's fine. <laughs> These therapy journal entries for Warpath. Oh, yeah, they were a lot of fun. It's so crazy because he didn't even appear in these issues. Just yeah. his his therapy journal. You know, he he's mostly deflecting and trying to avoid taking it a little too literally, et cetera, et cetera. But some cool insights nonetheless. There's one, write down all the compliments you can remember then you've received. And uh, I like these. Domino tells me I fill out my uniform well. It's a vain joy, but I would be lying if I said it didn't make me feel good. Wolverine once told me that of all the people who throw him in a fastball special, I was the most mindful of his body, and he could toss me at any time. That is quite the compliment. <laughs> there are a lot of people who have thrown that little Canadian. You know, seriously? <laughs> yeah, that's a really funny entry. I love uh, that. Yeah, right? And Silver Samurai once told me he enjoys my knife work. That is, <laughs> that is a high compliment. And then his insights on Warlock. If I wasn't currently training groups of mutants of various ages without the bothersome feeling, I would say it's because I don't do well with certain stages of learning slash self-exploration, but it isn't that. I'm a person of action. I confront things that need confronting and deal with them head on, but I haven't here, and that bothers me almost as, uh, more than Warlock. His sincerity and confusion are too much to look at sometimes, and I don't know if confrontation is what, if, what he needs right now, so I'm not able to act, just observe, which is very frustrating. What a cool insight on Warlock and on Warpath to to be the type of empathic, insightful person to notice these things. But mm-hmm. just what what a cool like depth of of observation. Yeah. It's it's cool because it's like, well, we've talked about Cypher and Warlock not hanging out anymore, mm-hmm. which is in itself weird. Uh, or sorry, about Warlock not being Cypher's arm. Yeah. <laughs> How they've been separated. 
And, and apparently secret must no longer remain secret. But what was the secret? Yeah. We don't know. Death. It's been entirely and dropped. so like, yeah. it's just these little like pieces that are just being laid out, laid out. So when it's time to tell that part of the story, yeah, we're like primed. Yeah. We can just jump in it and it's not going to feel forced. Yeah. Which totally. is cool. Yeah. I actually, when I was reading this, I thought about his brother. John. John. Yeah. John. Right. So yeah. Thunderbird. He's still dead. He has not been resurrected on Krakoa yet. As far as I can tell. Why that not? seems to be, yeah, that seems to be one that, Okay. If I wanted to give, here's my headcanon for why all of these, like, why has this character been resurrected yet? Is because somebody important would want it too much and it would give the appearance of favoritism. Mm. We've, we've seen several times that John Proudstar's death weighed heavily on Charles, on, on Professor X, as the mm. first of his students to die. This was like one of the biggest failures he's ever felt in his life. So if he were to go in and bump up John Proudstar really high on the queue without, you know, it it would give the appearance of a conflict of interest that he is not going through the proper channels, et cetera, et cetera. That is my, that is my headcanon. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yes. But like the, but the so other, many get resurrected without any. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, Prodigy, I like, oh, well, because he's not a team member. Right. <laughs> I guess people people on active teams get bumped up. It seems like right. Yes, definitely. Like front um, of list. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's it, but like. Having this like insight into James's thoughts, I was like, "What else do I know about James?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh wait, didn't he have yeah. a brother? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was I liked <laughs> his first entries were also funny, but it, it, it is more just like interesting, introspective. Like it's almost like a third plot that they're moving forward. Totally. Yeah. 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 Or fourth, I guess, because you've got the kids with the Shadow King. You've got. You know, Danny and Shan, and then you've oh, got then Rain. Josh. Oh, and Rain. Yeah. Yeah. So five plots. <laughs> <laughs> it always impresses me when a comic series is able to juggle multiple plots successfully rather than just like have two pages and be like, remember this thing? <laughs> okay, moving on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Any, anything else for? No, nope, I finally run out. <laughs> I just, okay. I, I just, I don't. I want to try to I know mitigate yeah. the size of the eye roll that we're going to get from Nibs. I know. Okay. Do you have anything you want to talk about cable? Or do you want me to give my like recap and then we'll go Yeah, from give there. me a recap. <laughs> okay. So Kid Cable is stressed out about the fact that Strife is still alive and yeah. there are five mutant babies who are who are kidnapped and still unfound. Yeah. And this issue is him coming to terms with the fact, with the idea that he might not be the right cable to deal yes. with this. Yep. And so now he needs to bring back old man cable. 
and enlists the help of Hope to do so, who is yeah. Old Man Cable's adopted daughter. <laughs> and despite, you know, how, however much she probably hates Kid Cable because he killed Old Man Cable. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to that? <laughs> yeah, a couple quick notes. One, the fact that there is a storyline with baby mutants and Cable and then he enlists Ilyana's help. I'm just wondering if this is what's going to lead to the Inferno storyline that we know is coming. Because the original mm. Inferno was the the dual sort of thing. A bunch of baby mutants were captured by Sim and Nistur to open up a portal to, you know, from Limbo to Earth. And then Cable, Baby Nathan, was one of those kidnapped baby mutants. Oh. Yeah. And meanwhile, also Ilyana's final transformation into Dark Child. Okay. So to be a little cold. Yeah. That would give the cable title purpose. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. All we've gotten so far is this kit, this mutant baby kidnapping, some clone yeah. stuff, which we've resolved, the light yeah. of Galador and the space knights. Which right. Is Sort of resolved from Ten of Swords. Yeah. I don't know what the reason for this title is other than mm. leading up to Inferno or telling us how old Cable's gonna come back. Yeah, it is very all over the place. It doesn't it doesn't stick with plots for very long. It kind of mm. jumps from thing to thing. But I love Phil Noto's art, so I can't complain too much. Yeah, the art's great. Yeah. The next note is that so Ileana and Cable go to Limbo where they check in on Nister and being like, do you have anything to do with this mutant baby kidnapping like you did last time? And he's like, mercy, please. No, I'll tell you anything. And he's like, nope, it wasn't him. All right, everybody get back to torturing him with playing the recorder. (laughs) And all these demons are just (laughs) playing recorders and kazoos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, so I didn't know. I didn't know. Singing the proclaimers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, Sim, though, right? No. S apostrophe YM. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the two limbo demons that became techno organic and blah 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 inferno. Okay, yeah, I, I always read it Nastir. Yeah, it's probably this issue. I read it Nastir, <laughs> but <laughs> your extensive history and knowledge. <laughs> but if it was if it's Sim and Nastir, then it makes it sound like sinister and his oh. involvement. He was also involved. Warlock is taken in to avoiding Cipher Lake Inferno instead of following in a way. others around, imitating the, the final move look confrontation. Speak with I him. understand that he final. is not mocking us. Yeah. Well, he has and a well developed yeah, sense of humor, it is mostly pieces. at his own expense. Yeah, it, he is the kind of being that finds fun in cruelty. It reminds dupes. me of a child oh, yeah, trying to find their own identity through play, which isn't a bad thing. So, when the resurrection process was solidified, one of the first questions that came up was that of duplicates. It was decided that it would undermine the validity of the protocols if multiple versions of the same person were to be produced. This decision was then extended out to the concept of duplicates in general that other forms, clones, versions from alternate dimensions, or time-traveling doubles uh, um, (laughs) would also not be eligible for resurrection. 
or perhaps to put a finer point on it, only one of the duplicates would be eligible. Exceptions were made in cases where duplication is an extension of meat and gifts, e.g. stuff for cuckoos being able to be resurrected back from their five selves or Madrox Prime being able to be resurrected even if one or more of his dupes had survived. And we've already brought back Kid Cable from Ten of Swords. That's right. So it's almost as if Kid Cable is the one that has been chosen as the version of Cable that is eligible for duplication. And as we go on, not to jump ahead too far. No, that's where we're going. (laughs) At the start of Rain Volume 8 is the next issue of Cable, and you've got Cyclops basically putting in the word like, no. Yeah. Over my son, uh, over my dead body, will we resurrect the old man? His day is done. The future belongs to you. Like, this is the sort of like conflict of interest that I was talking about. Like, he wants to be the dad. Yeah. He wants to have his, he wants to have his boy. Mm-hmm. And he never got to raise cable. Well, he did. He never, well, <laughs> he did. <laughs> he never got but to raise cable. But only in the future in somebody else's body. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, he also strongly encourages Kid Cable, and I'm never not going to call him Kid Cable, by the way. Sure, of he's course. Kid Cable. Hashtag not my cable. Yeah. But he strongly <laughs> urges Kid Cable to get in the voting running to be an X-Man. Yeah. Meanwhile, they bust up, you know, some Araki and Araki. They call them Araki. Yeah. Mutants from Araco that are <laughs> causing a ruckus in London. Then we get sort of a jump cut to as as we have intermittently throughout the series old man cable mm-hmm. in hell or wherever the wherever fuck he, he is. is somewhere red <laughs> yeah with limbo demons. maybe could be limbo yeah. could be hell could be mars <laughs> lots of I candidates in the marvel universe <laughs> yeah. but it turns out he has the light of galador he has that sword yeah I don't know if it's always been like this, but in this issue, he looks so much like an older version of Kid Cable now. Yeah, totally. Like his head is like skinnier now. Yeah. Or something. And maybe it's his haircut. Mm -hmm. Right. But he looks very adult Kid Cable now Mm -hmm. and not just Cable, his own man. Totally agree. That's funny. And yeah, this is the first time we've seen, seen adult Cable with the light of Galador. Yep. Anything else? No. Okay. Children of the no, Atom number not. three. Children of the Atom number three. So we were we were chatting about Children of the Atom in our group, and and you were saying, you know, this series isn't really hitting me right. Yeah. It's not. You know, I don't really get it. It's it's not my thing. Didn't make but first it, it of didn't all click for me. Yeah. First of all, it's okay to grow out of young adult. This is a young adult story. <laughs> we are not young adults. It's okay. It's okay to be like, you know, this doesn't hit me where I am. Yeah, right. But this issue is where it kind of started to click for me a little bit. And it was because it went through the story of Carmen, a.k.a. I think she is Gimmick, her her code name. Uh, sure. She, she basically, she presents as an homage to Gambit. Yep. Exactly. And she is the costume creator, cosplayer, streaming cosplay and, and you know, sewing and patterns and stuff mm-hmm. on Twitch, etc. And 
just her her sort of life and struggles. She is in love with Buddy, aka Cyclops Lass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of jump cut back and forth between them in space. Yeah. I didn't really understood where understand where that plot was coming from or what was going on, where it was placed in terms of timeline, if it was before or after things we've already seen. I think it's it's gotta be after. Yeah, right? But they're in space and they're coming back and they, you know, survive a crash landing and escape pods back to Earth and she tries to confess her love to Buddy and is unable to. Well, sorry, I should say things in the past as in this happened as like a side effect of probably a mutant story. Yeah. In the past. Sometime. Right. Some mutant story that's happened in the past years. (laughs) right but yeah they survive by it's some sort of ship that is blowing up and traveling away from earth yep and they find escape pods that shoot them back down to earth so miraculously these five survive and this has been basically the bonding moment yeah it gives little timeline captions when it comes back and forth between the space story and her story on Earth. And the the space story is presented as then. Right. And the Earth story is presented as now. So mm-hmm. we don't know when this happened, but it happened previously. Yeah, but they are they're not visibly that much younger. And their yeah. sense of style, clothing choice is pretty similar. So like yep. this honestly might have happened like six months ago. Yeah. Or or like it might have hap- even happened since since issue two, right? Like, we don't know. Mm, I guess maybe, yeah. Maybe. I'm thinking this happened pre-issue one. I feel like issue one was their first fight against, like, their yeah. first time. Oh, I guess they're not in costume in this. Yeah, they're not in costume. Yeah. They're in we have cities. no idea. Yeah. Yeah, we have no idea. <laughs> Something that has happened is six pieces recovered from Magneto's helmet from basically the X-Men issue one (laughs) are sold on eBay. And she's the one that bought them. Carmen. Right. Yep. And her and all of the other children of the Adam kids go to, well, no, all the other children of the Adam kids, not her. She is busy and not feeling well. Mostly not feeling well, which we'll get into in a bit. They all go to that kid Cole's house. Cole, who we met in the previous issue, who was mm-hmm. part of those, who was very sick and, and was part of those experiments to uh, experimental trials to get better. We learn that it was a sort of a, a mutant, you know, gene therapy. Yeah, mutant gene therapy yeah. that, yeah, thing. And they kind of. You know, they're like, oh, this is really cool. Do you think you could walk through a gate? And he kind of like flips on them. Is like, I knew that you weren't actually interested in being interested in being my friends. You're just into all this mutant stuff. You're so preoccupied. Just like you all stopped coming to visit me in the hospital. And now that I am, you know, maybe a mutant or something, I'm suddenly interesting to you. Like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. We also get introduced to Arthur Nagan. Do we know him? Mm-mm. Not that I. Arthur Nagan is a well-dressed, very large man who yeah. seems to be a representative from the company that did the experiments on coal. Yep. 
And I emphasize very big man in the sense that his hands are huge and he's always holding a wine glass that is just tiny in this man's hand. Oh, you know what? He is a character. (laughs) He's a long running character since 1954, (laughs) before the Marvel Universe proper even started in Mystery Tales number 21. He is known as Gorilla Man. Oh, hence the size. Okay. Yes. Oh. Former surgeon who took the organs of gorillas to use in people. Interesting. Gorilla Man. Oh. Yeah. He's like a zealous villain. Uh Uh-huh. I'm looking through his his wiki (laughs) his wiki thing right here and the second to last paragraph says Gorilla Man later battled Spider-Man along with a group of other villains including Angara the Screamer and the rest of the Headman led by Dr. Bong. They planned on conquering the the multiverse by creating a quote cosmic bong in the world's quietest room. No. They were defeated by Spider-Man and arrested by S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, by S.H.I.E.L.D. That's yeah. how you know it's old. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Co- cosmic bong. That's a, that's a hell of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Gorilla Man. Okay. That's why he's wearing yeah. gloves, by the way, because his hands are furry. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So while that is falling yeah. apart. While that is falling apart, we see what's going on with Carmen and her sickness and she is experiencing some sort of transformation. You know, she's kind of like screaming or like eyes are bugging out. Her veins are popping out. She, her, fing- her fingers are starting to look like claws. Is she undergoing some sort of mutant transformation? Dude, she's, she's looking saying, in the last page. Yeah, she's looking kind of broody. I don't know. Point. They were in space. Yeah, I don't know if it's the color of her skin, and I'm being like (laughs) semi-racist, but like the way that her neck gets bent back, and then the way they drew her ponytail to go back, looking like point the long brood head. Yeah, and her her her, the the width that her mouth is open and burying her teeth. Yeah, I can see her being really broody there. That That's a really good point. I didn't consider that. See, I thought, mm, okay, this is the thing that was going to be interesting to me. So I thought <laughs> that this was going to be like, all these kids are pretending to be mutants, but she's actually a mutant. And like, how is she going to reconcile this with her friends? Like, it's the it's the sort of reverse oh. coming out, or, you know, thing where it's like, everyone is too, you know, you have this whole buildup or this whole issue about like, all the friends being super into Cole being mutant adjacent and like in a way that's off-putting to him. And then you have one of the group, you know, being a mutant and the rest, like, are they going to be jealous? Are they going to be like, how, how well are they actually going to deal with it? Mm. Mm. But that would, that would have been an interesting arc as well. Yeah. Cause she says, My name is Carmen. I used to wish that I was special, but I was wrong. What I really wanted was to be me and I have that uh, and have that be enough, but I have a secret. Now I am special and I'd give anything to go back. Mm -hmm. Right. Implying that she's becoming a mutant for sure. Right. Yeah. But it looks extremely broody. Now you've got my. mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I do take back my complaint after reading issue two. Yeah. 
It just took a couple of issues to get. And this is the thing that's like, when I read the TPs, I'm reading right. five, six issues. Right. And it has you get, a, you get to see to a full storyline develop. Yeah. 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 When I'm reacting one issue at a time because of the way that the Rain and Dawn books are set up. Right. Like, I want it to pull me on that by the end of the first book, which is only one issue. <laughs> right. Exactly. Of any given title. And so we're seeing, you know, issue one in, in volume four and then issue two in volume seven and issue three in volume eight. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really sporadic when mm-hmm. you get these, these stories in. Anything more on Children of the Atom 3 or should we go to no. Excalibur? I'm ready for what's next now. So Yeah, yay. me too. That was, that was my feeling when that, because when, uh, when we were chatting on group chat, I was like, you know, after number three, because I was ahead of you, apparently. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. It, it I'm finally got it. My I was attention. like, what? Yeah. Are you serious? And then, yeah, I got to three, and now I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> All right, okay. so we have four more issues to, to yes. push through. Excalibur 20. Excalibur number 20. Backstory. Was not expecting the Malice origin story yeah. in, in Reign of X. It was not on my bingo card, but... Totally here for it, except for the na- fact that her real name is fucking is Alice, Alice McAllister, and they <laughs> called her Malice. Come on, of all the Stan Lee-ass Listen, bullshit. When was Malice introduced? Yeah, 1980. In the days of nominative declaration, whatever the damn name is called. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nom- nominative determinism. Yeah. So yeah, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Rain has been giving us origin backstories for some of the most classic X villains. Yeah, no that kidding. we never bothered to ask. Yeah, I'm all for never Rook. ever ever bothered to ask. Malice, what's next? What's next? What is next? Yeah, all these '80s, <laughs> all these Claremont characters who just <laughs> kind of appeared and disappeared. It's it's a cool, you know. She's a dif- disaffected teen who treats her poor mother much worse than she deserves and then has an out-of-body experience and is basically decides, you know what, I'll just stay dead mm-hmm. and goes on to be an angry ghost, essentially. And that's what they treat her as throughout this issue. And so the overwhelming plot arc is Psylocke and Betsy, <laughs> uh, Betsy and Quanin. Mm-hmm. Teaming up to capture Malice inside a psychic dagger, make a new body for her, rehabilitate, set done. her free. Yeah. She used Betsy's body, and that's yep. how we got, quote-unquote, introduced to Malice, or she got reintroduced mm-hmm. into current comics. So, like, right. conceptually, but make, you know make a, new, for a new shell, a new, mm-hmm. like, her, a new home body for her. Mm-hmm. Super side note, and yeah, normally I wouldn't spend too much time on this. Yeah, but I loved this finding a dress scene. Yeah, me too. For the girls, that was such a great character moment for yeah, Quanin and Betsy. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, do you want to go through it? Do you want to recap it? Yeah, so you've got Rogue and Jubilee are visiting Betsy, going through all of her old clothes looking for something to wear to the hellfire gala mm-hmm. and betsy is confused because all of these old dresses don't fit right 
Yeah. <laughs> She's like, her. I don't they're have the about, legs for this. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're talking about how like they're all too leggy. Jubilee couldn't do it because she doesn't have the legs for it. Rogue couldn't borrow it because yeah. she doesn't have the legs for it. And Betsy's like, man, I don't get it. And then Quanin shows up. And, and she is like, all legs. <laughs> <laughs> and Betsy's like, oh, yeah. hey, <laughs> do you want any of these dresses? And she's like, why? Because they will fit you. She's yeah. like, she's, are these th- all? She says, <laughs> yeah. She says, these are my size? Yes. But not my taste? Uh, no, no, they are not. <laughs> <laughs> then they are a symbol of a time better left behind. <laughs> right? And so they're they're like Betsy's fashion design, but yeah. with Quanin's body type. Yeah. And that is just, it's such a cool little, random, like, it, did, it never had to happen. <laughs> this mm-hmm. entire conversation and scene. But like... I imagine going to coffee with a handful of friends and being like, hey, this is the story that I'm currently telling. I have two people who used to be in the same body, two very yeah. different personalities. What are some things that they might end up talking about? <laughs> and then, oh, the Hellfire Gala is bringing it out. Yeah. It just it just works. It just works. It's so cool. And I and loved it. it and yeah, I mean, consider where Betsy and Quanin were at the start of Don of X, right? They didn't, they're like, yeah, listen, angels. Yeah. They're like, we don't want to have anything to do with one another. I know that we have this connection, but like, we need to each make our own person strike out on our own. Like, let's just, I don't see you. You don't see me. Let's just, you know, be done with it. And here mm-hmm. they're sitting around a bonfire together, drinking beer and burning those old dresses. <laughs> yeah. It's just so cool. Yeah. And talking about what they can do for malice, <laughs> you know, say, I'll come along. There's a precedent to be set for those of us separated from our bodies. I think we have to look out for her. Yeah, that was, that was, I don't want to say adorable because nothing about Quantum is adorable, but it was, <laughs> it was really cool. It was a great, yeah, great, great vehicle for a good character moment and relationship developing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. They hop into the psychic plane in this in the dagger to go and talk to Malice and basically tell them their plan. Like, hey, yep. we want to give you a shell for you to inhabit and just live on Krakoa. It's a wonderful place. It's a place to start over. Like, yeah. Like you you've really identified with this sort of pain and loneliness, but like I want to force you <laughs> to get out of that and give you a life because you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard thing to to hear, but they're going to do their best with malice. Okay, here's the other thing that I want to touch on: a series of text messages from from wisdom, quote, wisdom, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which I'm guessing is Pete Wisdom. I can only assume. Yeah, texting Betsy saying, "Call me before the gala. I would prefer to talk about this on the phone. I'm not asking you to go to the gala, my God, <laughs> but." <laughs> My my dates, plural, are breathing down my neck about you. My dates are Reuben and his coven. Fine, you don't have to call me. I wouldn't call me either. I don't like the way they've been talking about you, and Reuben is there for something big. Bin this phone. I'm binning mine. Be careful. Also, the times. Yeah. He send, he's, those last ones are 2.45 oh, to 3.45 in the morning. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. 
anyway, Pete Wisdom, interesting character. He's he's popped up a tiny bit in the Excalibur series, so I am thinking that this is probably a sign of more to come from him. Mm-hmm. Moving along. So basically they kill Malice and give her yep. a body in the resurrection gardens or whatever they're called. Xavier and Emma and Quanin are all there and Betsy are all there to try to inspire her to try life. <laughs> Choose us. Choose life. Try Kakoa. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see, we'll see where that goes. I was curious because do you give her a body that she can't escape? Or like how's <laughs> how is that? I mean, if they're gonna keep on resurrecting Manuel de la Rocha, then like I guess they're just gonna live with the fact that malice exists. But like, right. I don't know, man. That that's yeah, potential for mm. some bad things to happen. Yeah. I mean, the the council doesn't want it. Xavier is very against the idea, but it means a lot oh, to rude. Betsy and Quanin. So And they, it gets vouched by another council member by Emma. Yeah. Yep. Okay. X-Men 20. Big X-Men old Nimrod 20. on the cover. The one with Nimrod. So we get so we get an interesting conversation between Mystique and Forge. Yeah. Mystique basically. Who have saying, a romantic history. Ah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know or remember that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's from the issues of, of X Factor that I read on the pod, so I wouldn't remember it either. Okay. <laughs> Mystique basically says, give me a give me something that's gonna make an impact. And Forge yeah. is like, you need to understand <laughs> the extent of what I can do with that phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just, it gives us a rare insight into like how Forge views his like ability, basically. Yeah. And also just like, God, the just surgical dialogue from Hickman, <laughs> you know, so we're, we're in... We're in Forge's lair where he has all of his inventions, all of his weapons. And Mystique asks, how do you sleep at night surrounded by all of this? And he says, think of a stick of wood. Yes, you could craft something and shape something, or you could use it to beat someone to death. Every every invention, you know, the humans, they take a useful tool, then they find it a way to use it for destruction. Well, I don't lie. When I make something, I make something with a regular function and purpose, be it a tool or a weapon. In the end, it's not the instrument that matters. It's the one who wields it and what kind of person they are. So that's the explanation of how he's able to come to terms with himself. And then he asks the same question back on her. How are you sleeping at night? She says the same thing. I sleep fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like, fine, you want some details? Most damage uh, under every fathomable circumstance. He's like... I mean, the level of the thing that I can make with the most damage, <laughs> you're not going to want to use on Earth. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> this is, is this an off-planet thing? And she's just like, well, he's like, damn it, it is <laughs> off-planet, isn't it? Is it Orcus? She's like, yes. So he's like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to build something that will destroy Orcus. Let's go. But and then he says, do you know what the worst weapon I ever built was? He said, it was a gun that turned us into them. Meaning the power neutralizer gun that yeah. was used on Storm. Yeah, yeah. Who he also Amazing. has a romantic history with. Oh, yes. And yet he still doesn't have a real name. Can we move on? Said that just to fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he calls it a microscopic singularity generator. 
apparently when it when it goes off it'll release a miniature black hole that will exist for a fractional amount of time before collapsing in on itself it will eat the orcus forge but it won't be big or strong enough to reach sentinel city or their system of orbital platforms forge said we'd be risking the sun or something larger (laughs) with something larger so we take out orcus Um, yeah amazing (laughs) and of course this is all to get destiny her wife resurrected which is against Moira's wishes because no precogs. And this is this ongoing storyline, this plot, this giant conflict between Mystique and Eric and Charles. And the deal is you keep Orcus from being able to invent Nimrod and we will bring back destiny. Yes. Specifically, destroy Orcus, get destiny. Yep. And she's traveling with a giant black hole generator. Seems like something she'll be able to do. Yep. So she goes, we see her in the Orcus Forge. Well, we don't know she's there yet. We we see a scene on the Orcus Forge and this character Erasmus who died, I think, in... In Powers of Ten. In Powers of Ten, yeah. His wife, who is also, you know, scientist... Brings him back in a uh, Nimrod body. And uh, there's this whole thing. He's got these partition memory nodes so he can slowly get back all of his old memories. And he says, nope, I'm going back quickly. I'm going to remember everything. I died. The world changed. You brought me back. And, you know, he's saying like, I wanted children. I can't give you a child now. She says, that doesn't matter. What matters is I have you back until the end of the days. Erasmus, I'm so happy. As am I. Like, as, that's a mutant. And he I just, love that scene so much. Just right? that last cell. Just wait. That's well, a mutant. <laughs> it, it's such a, like, he's having this Im- intensely emotional reunion with the love of his life, but he's a goddamn sentinel, and he can't not do sentinel things. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> just, I just, it, it's so awkward because like Nimrod and who's like eight feet tall and, yeah. <laughs> and this average size human woman are like yeah. embracing each other as, as lovingly as possible yep. to the point of it being awkward. It's visually awkward. Yes. It's very, <laughs> visually extremely awkward. Yes. They're exchanging these like loving words for each other. And then all of a sudden just. That's a mutant. And the next yep. picture is him completely let go of, of his wife and just pointing. That's a mutant. Yep. <laughs> it's just, it throws me off so much. It's hilarious. Anyway, so Mystique Anyway, is the mutant out. is Mystique. Yep. And she goes to let off the singularity. The Nimrod dude starts duplicating himself to, you know, keep the station from destroying keep the thing from destroying the station but in order to do so he basically he won't be able to back himself up or take the thing over yeah all of the duplicates that are holding some of his data his memory partitions and they they don't have time to regrow and replicate the rest of his body so he loses a bunch of his duplicates and with it all of his memories and with that, loses the Erasmus person, and he's just mit- Nimrod, and Aaliyah is just absolutely destroyed by this. Mm-hmm. 
So Nimrod gets a hold of Mystique before she can run back through the gate, does a little monologue, tells her, mm-hmm. I am Nimrod the Hunter, you have failed, and shoots her point blank, like turns the hand that was holding her face into a gun yeah. and shoots her back through the gate, and she dies back in Krakoa. I want to read more of this because it's just so chilling. When you return home, tell your masters that today I was born into existence, and the first thing I experienced beyond the love of my creator was pain and loss at your hands. You were here at my beginning. I swear I will see to your end. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That, That is incredibly chilling. I just have a like fucking glasses on my nose type complaint about one shot killing mystique. Yeah. Cause it is a Nimrod. It is a Nimrod. And so like there are extra caveats of the power behind a Nimrod cannon, but like mystique's power is generally explained as like, she has complete control of her entire molecular structure and arguably she can't be killed. Right. <laughs> and you have no idea how old she is because she doesn't age. Like Right. She can move all of her vital organs into a part that isn't being shot. Right. And et cetera, so et cetera. if and I get this is happening fast and again it's a Nimrod, it's a it's a sentinel feature thing whatever. But like if she's being held by her neck up off the ground, a different author would have her just shapeshift out of his grip. Mm-hmm. Or a different story being told would have her shape. A different, out of that's history. really what it is. Yeah. You know, so like, I'm just kind of like, ah, come on. But it's neither here nor there. It's not a big deal. And then there's this revelation about how happy this other guy is. Yeah. Dr. Devo, Dr. another Devo. sword, another, sorry, Orcus scientist, uh, the founder of it, actually. Yes. Talking to Omega Sentinel. I have to, I still have to imagine that she is a double agent. She spent so much time being a good guy. But. I know. Yeah, they hate us and we hate them. That's the current state of mutant and man. But all their, all their arrogance, the bravado, the bold declarations of inevit- inevitability. Don't you see, Omega? Those words are in conflict with their actions. It's obvious, isn't it? They don't hate us. They fear us. I'm like, oh, that is a right. very realistic response to this whole anti-Orcus thing. And, and such a, an inversion of, you know, the whole mutant thing, a world that hates and fears us has been their, you know, kind of rallying cry or how they have felt about humanity for so long. Now it's being turned, you know, it's a uh, Orcus mm-hmm. who they hate and fear. And then yeah. she gets resurrected. Yep. And, and she confesses typical yep. cold Magneto and Charles to Mystique. And they're like, I want you to say it. She's like, I failed. Nimrod's online. Damn, yeah. damn indeed. This changes things. And and then the um she remembers the prophecy from Destiny. There will be an island, not the first, but the last. This place will seem to be hope for our kind. Remember when those days come, remember these words. Bring me back. And if you cannot, if they will not, then burn that place to the ground. So there's that, and there is a there's a visual on there that is very important. Yes. But also, Magneto says, in the short term, it clarifies others, I suppose, will need 
T-O-L dash dash and gets cut off by Xavier. Yes, no point in putting it off. We should do it now. I don't know what yeah. T-O-L is. Like, it's not told because grammatically yeah. that doesn't make sense. T- <laughs> we'll need T-O-L. I don't know what he's going to say. So that just- I don't me. either. Yeah. But this issue ends with- Xavier and Magneto going to room X where Moira McTaggart is just chilling. And she is reading in the middle of going through. There are nine books here. All Irene Adler's Libris Veritorum volumes one through, you know, nine at least. And then the diaries of destiny diaries of destiny mystiques wife. Yeah. Okay. Okay, it's moving. We'll see what's coming. And there's no dialogue from them on that page. It's just yeah. her reading, looking up and being like, you're here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Son of a bitch. Oh, man. We still have two issues of Krakoa. Oh, my God. Let's bring it home. Hellions, 9 and 10. Hellions. I didn't have any notes here because I was just having too much fun reading it. It was such a fun two issues. Let's see. The first issue here is Mastermind meeting with Sinister being like, hey, we should hang out. And Sinister being like, you wear rags. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sinister getting poisoned by the tea that Mastermind gave him. And it's dubbed as the be- the benign betrayal of Nathaniel Essex. Yeah. So it turns out, I'm, I'm just going to jump ahead to, to kind of go through what that plot was. It turns out that Mastermind was hired by Arcade with leverage given because Arcade kidnapped Lady Mastermind or one of his daughters. I, I always forget which one's Reagan and which one's the other one, Martinique. This looks like the but, other one. This looks like Martinique. Yeah. Because Reagan's Martinique. blonde. Reagan's blonde. That's right. Okay. So kidnaps Martinique and uses that as leverage over Jason to kidnap Sinister in order to <laughs> just long and convoluted. But there's this really cool like ongoing thing where Arcade is, is this jumping forward too much? Well, I was only just going to talk about yeah. name yeah. an orphan maker. Yeah, do that. So after the betrayal of... Sinister, where he gets knocked out by Mastermind. You have Orphan Maker getting his armor back, but it's the same design as the old armor, and he's gotten a little bit bigger because he is one of the Iraqi resurrections, Mm -hmm. and so Iraqi-based resurrections. And so he has changed, and so has uh, to others. Wild Child and Nanny have changed. Yeah. Nanny has the smiley robot baby, Mm-hmm. And she is focusing on that and not necessarily on Orphan Maker as much. And Orphan Maker's suit is too tight for him and he's very uncomfortable and he's asking Nanny to help him. Anyway, the team gets a mission. They all get suited up and they go meet with their informant. The informant being Mastermind. And they get in a limo and then the limo turns into a boat and then the <laughs> boat turns into a jet and it's cl- it's clear that Mastermind is just messing with all their minds and yeah. asking them, when do you think I got into your heads? How long ago do you think uh, I've been here? Mm-hmm. Like, Do you think this mission is-, is actually real? Do you think this, that, and the other? Do you think Krakoa is even real? Right? Starts putting all these yeah. questions and then 
starts messing with their minds and then he's like all right i'm done with this so he drops them he removes the plane and has them fall and they all fall and crack their heads and die and then we get regular reality mastermind is now exhausted and he's like okay they've all been shocked unconscious all but all alive it's harder to look than it looks by the way and so now we have the entire marauders team of sinisters and we get the reveal that he was doing it all for arcade yeah wild wild we've talked so much Super. shit about arcade on we our have pod. talked a lot of shit recently <laughs> i know and then so it ends with basically the setup of everything we've got going on we've got the reveal of mastermind's daughter being kidnapped mm-hmm. it's martinique but it's definitely reagan's costume yeah yeah <laughs> anyway and that's why Mastermind is working with Arcade. And Mastermind currently has all of the members of the sorry, I call them Marauders. All the mem- all the members of the Hellions right. in their own illusion room that is giving them exactly what they want to basically occupy them. Quan and Psylocke has a reality of compassion, uh, where she has a child and she's living on a beach in a beach house together. You have Grey Crow, his room is Absolution, where he's being congratulated for all of the sacrifices he's made um, in the army. Manuel de la Rocha has Satisfaction, where he basically is at a dinner table with everyone he's ever done wrong, and they get and they are reviewing the stuff that how of how he hurt them. And he's like, This is amazing. <laughs> right. Wild Child is aggression. And it's basically him fighting Logan and Sabretooth and them being scared of Wild Child. And then you have Orphan Maker and Nanny in the same room. Both of them have protection. Nanny has a bunch of children that want her attention. And then Orphan Maker has now two nannies to look after him. Havoc has passion where he's in a room with Madeline and they are all just locked away um, in their own fantasy worlds. This is all well. Do you know good. who this Locke person is? Miss Locke. She is, yeah, she's like Arcade's main assistant. Helper. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes she's a robot. <laughs> she may always be a robot. I'm not totally sure. That was all well and good, but can I talk about the best part of this entire issue? Sure. So Arcade has Sinister strapped to a wheelchair and later, you know, torturing him by pulling out his molars. And the whole time he is speaking to somebody else in a remote location who mm. is, uh, he, he asks a question and then ends, uh, he, he, he makes a statement, a, a narration of what's going on and then says, confirm to have this person who's viewing in a remote location, confirm it back to him so that he knows that this isn't mastermind messing with his sense of reality right. and, and just making him think that this is what's going on. <laughs> so <laughs> it starts out, you know, I'm looking at him now, right in his weird albino rabbit eyes. Confirm, confirmed. Running my hand through his hair, just as greasy as it looks. Confirm, confirmed. <laughs> and Sinister says, what are you doing? You sound insane. Well, when in Rome, there's a strange man molesting me with his eyes. Big toothy grin, clearly veneers. Confirm? Confirm? <laughs> Should I confirm? <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, and it's just like the two most mentally unhinged X-Men villains going after each other in this <laughs> hilarious. I'm disciplined. You want to be Mr. psycho? Sinister. Let's be psycho. 
Yeah. I'm just letting Mr. Sinister. Confirm? Confirmed. I'm being assaulted by a Chucky doll. Confirm? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Just incredible. This book is so much fun. I just love Hellions. Mastermind has sworn his psychic illusions to my service, but he's already used them to betray you. I've taken steps to confirm he's not... Uh, using them to, to betray me. Thousands of miles away, a loyal employee watches, confirming through redundant, audible, neurological, and biomechanical signals that what I'm seeing is actually happening. I'm explaining the reality verification system to Mr. Sinister. Confirm, confirmed. So yeah, so that's what's going on. We've watched all these pleasure rooms, and then Sinister's like, what the hell do you want? And he, or what are you trying to do? And he's, okay, it's like, I want to break their brains. And then basically, uh, what's his face? Arcade wants Sinister to make a clone farm for him because he wants yeah. clones of whoever he wants so he can torture them eternally, basically, and to like do his murder mm-hmm. rooms and murder worlds and all that stuff. And yeah. Sinister's like, okay, <laughs> I'll build your clone farm. And Arcade case is like, no, 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 you have to, you have, to, I need you to earn this. No, 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 no. So we're going to yeah. go with our torture anyway. So <laughs> the wheelchair turns into a, an operating table and he pries open Sinister's mouth and he starts pulling out teeth one by one, getting super bloody and hands on, which is very not Arcade. And then they decide to start well, sorry, Quanin starts to figure out that this is fake. She asks her child what her name is, and she can't answer. And she's like, where am I? She can't answer. And then she starts to break it right before it breaks for her. She reaches out to Grey Crow and is like, help. And then Grey Crow's reality starts to fall apart. So everything turns into, so uh, Manuel de la Rocha's room turns into retaliation. Wild Child's is submission, and then Havoc's is humiliation, uh, Quanon's is rejection, Grey Crow's is retribution, and Orphan Nanny Maker, Orphan Maker and Nanny are separation. And it ends with Arcade basically just being like, listen, I had to put you through that so you would want to uh, help me. Do you understand that? Yes. Try again. Confirmed. Okay. Very good. <laughs> now that we're partners, let's play. And it ends with just like, He's got blood all over him. Uh, Arcade yeah. has blood all over him. Uh, 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 Sinister has like three teeth left. Yeah, it's very gross. And and who knows where Hellions is going after this. Do you have anything you want to add about Hellions? I have a variant cover nope. that I liked. X-Men number 20 variant cover by Mike Del Mundo. And I love his art. Mm-hmm. It's Mystique at a copy machine making photocopies of all the different members of Kokoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. It's a really cool cover. Anyway, that is that. A lot happens. I liked these four Reign of X books more than the first four. Yeah, they're moving. They're getting somewhere. Which is fine. Typically when shows have like a big season finale, like a Ten of X, Ten of Swords, Mm -hmm. the first episode of the next season is partially moving a story along but more dealing with the fallout of the season yeah yep, yep so i think the first like three and a half volumes of reign of x were very much totally. that and so now we're actually getting into the meat of the second season of x yeah for sure i am excited cool well i think that's uh it's about all i have for this week Oh, was that it? Certainly nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. So we're going to be doing rain nine and 10 in, in two episodes. Yeah. Coming up when we do our live or not live, but like our same room episode when I'm visiting New York. Yeah. And it's going to be super fun. So I'm excited for that next week. I've got Spider-Man and I think immortal Hulk. I, I just, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a hype week. Hype episode. I I have something. It includes X Force. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> it's. I like X Force, so that'll be fun. Cool, <laughs> cool. All right, then. With that, we're gonna apologize to Nibs, and we will end the or put the outro music here. Sounds good. My goodness. All right. Take care. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Yep.